0: Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey podcast, episode number 97. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd Hey, Nick, how's it going?
1: Hey, John, I'm doing great. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey.
0: A journey to virtual enlightenment.
1: So let's take a trip, John. All right.
0: Great, Nick. Hey, uh, this week is part two of our discussion with Ashley Connell and uh, this week I think towards the end of last week, we flipped the discussion away from startups and big corporations and got into a little bit with her first uh, foray into entrepreneurship. And we heard a lot about the mistakes. and, And I think this time we're going to get into a little bit more about what she's doing today. And I just thought that it was fascinating to hear about somebody who is, you know, involved even on the marketing side, but with technology companies, you know, diving into that entrepreneurship. And it sounded like she had the bug early on, but um, it was really interesting to hear about that process that went she went through to find that business.
1: Yeah. Imagine something kind of horrible happening to you, John, and then sort of rising out of the ashes without a lot of time to grieve about the situation and just diving right into something new. And that's exactly what happened to Ashley. But you know what? I have to stop there. I can't spoil it. Let's get to part two, Ashley Kong. All
0: right, so after A10 then, um, what was the next step for you there?
2: So the morning that we lost our whale client, That was probably at noon that I got that phone call at 8 AM. I had this awesome idea for new business. (laughs) Isn't that how it goes?
0: (laughs) And your husband said, wait, I thought it was my turn.
2: (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. He's still saying that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Bless his heart. So yes, so I, it it was really wild. I read a book built to sell and I read it in one sitting. It's a fable, big fan of fable business books. Big, 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 big fan. Um, And it's all about an entrepreneur who had an agency and he wanted to sell it, but it wasn't worth anything and what he had to do in order to make something that is scalable and repeatable and worth value to a company who would then purchase it. And it, the whole idea is if you have that in mind from the very beginning, you you will be on a better better path to exit, you will be much more focused and it, it should just help with clarity. Read that in about two hours. I absolutely loved it. I wrote a list of things that I think I'm good at, and the next morning, woke up, picked one, and that was the, (laughs) that's how I started Prowess. (laughs) So, um, it's just wild how it it all came together. I had this idea, and again, I'll I'll get more into what it was and what it is, I had this whole idea about meetings and how much I hated them. And how at the end of the meeting, hardly anyone does actual action items, meeting notes, what the next step was. And so I was like, hmm, what if we could do an Uber for like meeting notes? And you could have people who listen into your call who are essentially meeting facilitators and they would run your entire call and do action items and ensure follow up was happen would happen at the end. You would be surprised how many people would pay for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, had this idea. I, <laughs> I mean, meeting nonsense is a huge pain. It's something like five hundred and forty billion dollars of wasted meeting time like worth of time um, the US spends each year. It's just insane. And so anyway, I started talking to more and more people about this idea and I was like, There's, it's, it's not it. There's something about it, it's just not it. And I went to lunch with a friend from middle school who I didn't realize that he was then running an accelerator program. So the accelerator deadline was literally the next day and I got my application in, got accepted to Founder Institute. And what their course does is it takes you from idea to incorporated in four months. And it is long, and it is hard, and it is um, kind of heartbreaking because of all of the negative—let's well, not say negative—constructive feedback that you get. But it was the best thing I've ever done. It was fantastic. I'm so grateful for those four months
1: and the accelerator programs are built to help you get your business out there if I understood right
2: that's correct so not to confuse things but there's there's two real types in my opinion there is an accelerator program which typically you have a business who that is ready to scale and you're not sure how to scale it that's great for an accelerator What Founder Institute, in my opinion, actually was or what it was for me was more of an incubator. It took me from idea all the way to, okay, now I have a C-corp and we're going to go do this thing.
0: That's an interesting, uh, interesting distinction. Incubator versus accelerator. But I guess it's right there in the name, right?
2: Right. (laughs) Right.
0: I've just never been in that space, you know, as much as. Um, I thought that I would be, so I just never paid attention to it that much, but really, really interesting. Yeah.
1: I want to know how big the list was of things that you made that you were good at and which one was the one is that's okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're going to be like, Oh wow. Um, so the list was maybe, I don't know, nine things that I thought that I was good at and, Reminder, I'm just having my A-10 breakup where I was feeling very um, down and out about my capabilities as a professional. And so the number one thing that I had on there was note taking. And I was like, wow, I am really good at making sure stuff gets done at work. And so that's how the whole meeting facilitation thing got started, and I I did a ton of digging. Again, meeting facilitation in small snippets where you could just have someone on demand almost, that is more of a discomfort, not a pain. People pay to get rid of pain, not discomfort.
0: So then naturally discomfort or pain would be our entire company has a problem or division or organization has a problem with uh, meetings and we need somebody to come in and teach us how to not have that problem anymore? Or, so, or how, lots did, of things. how did it go? L-
2: lots of things. So in all of this, I should say that it was this whole idea of meeting facilitation, but where my heart also was, was with women returning to work. So I was, again, at that point, early 30s, I was married. I didn't have children yet, always knew that I wanted them. I I still don't have children. Um, And I realized that in my entire career, throughout all of that, I had this ongoing anxiety of what having children would do to the progression of my career. Because remember, I'm a superstar. i got to get to the next thing, and i got to get to it quick. And how was I going to slow down to have kids? So I started doing digging on this problem, like how are people solving it? And according to Harvard Business Review, if a woman's out of the workforce for just three years to raise children, she loses 37% of her total compensation power for the rest of her life. She cannot make it up. And, And that crushed me honestly. I became obsessed with that statistic. I, I, I was disturbed, almost haunted by it, because how how is that possible where this was, you know, 2019 and women couldn't have both? Like, that's crazy. And so the whole idea with the meeting facilitation is that we would train women on meeting facilitation, and that's something that they could do at any time. And they could do remote, and they could do um an hour here hour there and so forth well what we realized in all of this is the two real things that people needed to move forward it wasn't really the meeting facilitation it was more project management and it was more empathy and so that brings into what we're doing now with prowess So, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, what Prowess is, is we help these women, oftentimes who took a year or two out, get back into the workforce. We vet them. They go through a 16-hour certification. Half of that certification is confidence, goal setting, team dynamics, emotional intelligence, communication. The other half is, how do you work remote? What's the latest technology? How do you do project management? What are the latest business trends? And at the end, they uh, take a test and are either scored in or out to be a part of our job pool. Well, while they are doing all of this work, we're gathering 52 different work style indicators on them and on their work. So by the end, we have a full profile of these women, not just their skills and what you would see on their resume, but truly what they're like in a work environment. Are you the person who needs to ask 50 questions in order to understand? That's okay, but you need to have someone compatible on the other end who will answer those and isn't going to be impatient. And so that's what we built out with our algorithm is essentially this eHarmony meets Indeed for, for job placements.
0: I really like that idea. And I also like that it is, it kind of fits the idea of you need to be ready to pivot, right?
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Happy, right. And, and you know, is it really pivot or is it more just continuously listen to feedback and you do have to decide, Hey, is this person's feedback one that I want to listen to? Like, is their opinion worthy? I'll tell you, everyone wants to give an opinion. But if they haven't been in your shoes or they don't really know what you're doing or, you know, maybe they're just filling the silence by saying something, you as the entrepreneur or you as the professional need to decide if you're going to take that and use it or not.
0: Do you feel like the lessons that you learned from the various positions that you had, like, really kind of coalesced around helping you to run this uh, company?
2: hundred percent. And here's why. So... In a lot of job marketplaces, they, one side bubbles up quickly so you'll have a lot, a lot of talent and you're focusing all on the talent. And that's great, but in order for a marketplace to work and for the talent to stay, you need the other side. And so for us, the talent, these women returning to the workforce, we had those in spades. We have an amazing community of them, we, they're, it's growing like crazy. But my experience was as a hiring manager. And my experience is someone who would use someone in the prowess community to help me be more productive. So I was always looking at it from that lens because that's who pays us. And I think that that was absolutely key in creating prowess that I didn't get too too almost overly passionate about the the mission and also remember that this is a business that has a mission not a mission that makes money
0: got it so So it sounds like what you're talking about if I can restate that is um, you wanted your mission to be successful, and in order for it to be successful, it had to be a balance between talent and opportunities for the talent so you, you wouldn't know. you wouldn't be able to fulfill the mission right Correct. if all you had was a giant pool of talent and and nobody who was willing to take advantage of that talent you know or who needed access to that talent
2: right and when I went out and did this, again, shout out to Founders Institute because they they forced us to do this, which was a great exercise. I went out and talked to hundreds of women who are returning to the workforce. I mean, that is 43% of all women leave the workforce to raise children at some point, which is a huge number. And so what they told me was there was not a clear path to return. There would be... Um, there would be mentorship in one place, there would be training on technology in another place, there would be a community in another place, and there would be a job market board in another place. But there wasn't a step-by-step process and many times that made them feel overwhelmed and intimidated. And so with Prowess, when we're looking at the talent's experience, they have all those things under one roof. They have the confidence building, they have the network of like-minded people they're talking to, they have the training and technology and the job pool.
0: So now I understand what you were referencing before when you said you were trying to foster that community within prowess, right. kind of like what Spiceworks had, like a a, a group of people who were Ultimately they're kind of the product, right? To yep. to one half of the business. But at the same time, they're super passionate about helping each other and building the community as well.
2: Yes. Yes. Got and it. I took okay. all of my lessons from Spiceworks and we are pouring it into Prowse right now.
1: Nice. That's amazing. How, how big is the company in terms of employees and customer base? Are you able to share that?
2: Sure, yeah. So we've been around for less than two years and we have seven employees. We have serviced about 40 companies and our talent pool is about 250 right now. And, and we, I wanna be really conscious about saying this. We, back to wanting to have balance between the talent and the opportunities, we did not open the floodgates and say, hey, everyone, come on in because we wanted it to be a good experience, especially while we were testing. And so whereas, again, everyone on the, um, the podcast are probably now familiar with Spiceworks or will look it up. That was a media play. That's how they made money. So you need tons. I mean, millions of eyeballs. Ours isn't ours is more of a vetted community where we make money through placements and through matching the company with talent. And so we're able to be a little bit more selective, especially now in the amount of talent that we have and the opportunities that we're going after.
0: Interesting. So
1: so if I'm someone listening who wants to get on this, right? I'm a female who's maybe been out of the workforce, needs some help. Do I just go and register somewhere for prowess and and then they call me when they have an opening? Is that kind of how it goes?
2: Kind of, a little bit, a little bit more than that. So the way it works is we have an application process because we have certain criteria that we, that you must have in order to join our community. So there's an application. And then, like I was saying before, there is a certification that you have to go through and test out of that in order for us to say, hey, check, yep, she's got the, the stuff that she needs to do this job. And so that pre-COVID, that 16-hour training was about $350 for women to go through. During COVID, we were looking just at the world and wanted to give back as much as we could. And we're like, hey, women don't need another barrier to re-entry as far as it goes, like the dollar amount. And so what we have now is you absolutely can pay that 350, or you can do, you can be a part of our pay it forward program, where we have women who have paid for essentially that woman to go through the program. And then once she gets a job, we ask that she contribute back and pay it forward to someone who is now in her shoes. So
0: success breeds success. Correct. It's, um, so you're gonna get that from people who have already found value.
2: Exactly.
0: So it's, so it's, it's like a tacit in endorsement as well. Yes,
2: exactly, exactly.
0: It's not just a tacit endorsement, I guess it's like a hard dollar endorsement. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And that is fostering, again, as you can imagine, this amazing community and even um, more impressive, our ambassador program. It's, it's just, I'm so grateful of what it's becoming and it, it's, they're doing this on their own.
0: Mm-hmm. Self-organizing, right?
2: Yeah. Self-organizing. It's just, it's incredible. I, I, I pinch myself. Like this is just amazing.
1: Speaking of ambassadors, you know, the CEO of a company is probably the biggest ambassador of that company. So yourself being the CEO of prowess. How do you get into that mindset of I've got to drive this place forward? And, and how do you, how do you get from individual contributor to thinking like the CEO?
2: Talking to your team, it's all it takes, it's all it takes, truly listening, understanding what they want, understand their dreams, understand what their family's like, understanding all of that, that is. At this point Yes, I I love running this business, but I'm running it for them and What is so I'm so grateful for is I'm actually probably the dumbest person in the room when our when we're in our team meetings We have just such great experts who know exactly what they're doing and have done it before and truly feel the mission that I feel like I'm in the right place, letting them do their thing, but bringing them together and helping them understand how it's going to move the full company forward. Does that make sense? Mm
0: -hmm. Makes absolute sense. What is, what is your vision then for the organization? Is it still based around that built a cell where you think to yourself, oh, you know, at a certain point I could just, you know, like when i'm looking for that next thing or if i have a different idea and it's going to compete for my time you know i'm able to like let this go and i've i've built the entire organization to pass on or is it building the organization so that you can add additional things
2: add additional things yeah so it is it is a little odd that i read a book built to sell and mm-hmm. yet i have a full <laughs> i don't know um 10-year plan for prowess in our empire um so it's so it's interesting i i at the end of the day with prowess because i was looking for a solution for how i was going to continue my career and and find flexible work and be a mom i'm i wanted to solve my future problem. And so that's what I built my my future solution. And I'm so passionate about it. And it is everything that I've ever wanted or would want on both the talent side, and the employer side. I mean, let's think about hiring managers for a second. How much time are you in interviews? Think about it. It's a
0: big, it's a big, big part of the job, right? His it's a talent huge management. Of the job.
2: Huge part of the job, interviews, sourcing, getting feedback, all of that. And we're able to cut that process down in a half just by looking at the emotional intelligence and personality style compatibility of the talent and the team that they'll be joining. And that has been so, so key.
0: That is really fascinating. So you're solving more than one problem.
2: Yes. I mean, again, me thinking about my, my future problem, hiring, we eat our own dog, dog food. I ensure that we are, our team is compatible with someone who is coming in through our algorithm. And the, and the way that that works, let me just break that down. So let's say that you're trying to hire a fractional project manager. That's wh- That's our sweet spot right now. Project manager. Operations Specialist Customer Success. Um, You come to us and you fill out a 10 minute overview of what you need, uh, then do a personality indicator test that takes about 10 minutes, put this all in. We take all that information, put it into our algorithm, and then within 24 hours, send you back an email with a link to three different profiles of candidates, each with a compatibility score. So that could be Susie is 97% compatible with the role and your team. Janie is 89% compatible. And here's where the difference is made up. And you should look at this, this, and this on why she would be a good fit versus someone else. So we have all of that in a scalable way. So we can really showcase Hey, finding a job isn't just about skill. It's all about who you are as a person too, but we didn't have a way to showcase that until now.
0: Yeah, that's super fascinating.
1: That's good. Well, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of, of the conversation we had with Paul Green in our last couple episodes about who his team members were and their experience and how they thought differently and how that made them better you know, who they were as people, the things they had been through, like someone had been in the military and that's how Paul knew that this person was the guy to do something no one else thought he could do. So very interesting.
2: Absolutely. Some of our best talent are military spouses because they're always moving around and they need, they want a job, but they need something flexible.
0: That That is fascinating. How, how do you progress those people? Like, do you have a vision for like, you know, getting everybody PMP certified, for example, if that's what they want, or, or some other like external certification as well?
2: Sure. Uh, Um, for, for me, it's more, yes, I would absolutely welcome partnerships like that. I think where I am, my heart is is more on the emotional intelligence side. I want to build out more resources to bring emotional intelligence into the workforce. I mean, think about every single thing that we talked about today on this podcast on saying something that was inappropriate in front of someone or thinking about someone else to be their mentor or speaking about someone to be their sponsor. All of that is emotional intelligence. It has nothing to do with how good technically they are and i want to build that out i want to build out those type of certifications and those type of resources because i think that too is where a lot of women and men shine but in our current hiring process it's dulled down if if not completely absent until you pick up the phone and talk to them
0: Oh yeah, there's there's no quantification of how good of a sponsor that person is going to be in their career, right? In in a in a hiring process that I know. But with
2: in. but with us there is because we look right. at values. Mhm. And and so again, I I think I think I think hiring's moving to the next step and I want prowess to be at the forefront.
0: That's super exciting. Most definitely.
1: Here's my, as we come to a close here soon, Ashley, and I want to be respectful of your time. So what, what tips do you have someone for someone who wants to get to owning their own business, wherever they are out there, they, they had an idea or a thought, you know, maybe I could do my own thing, go out on my own. What would you tell that person based on what you've learned?
2: You have to be absolutely obsessed with whatever it is you're doing. And that was one of my problems with A10. I love marketing, but I'm not obsessed with it. I have a true why when it comes to prowess. I am changing the hiring process. I am helping women in the workforce. That is my why. And I, I don't know there wouldn't be a reason for me to ever let that go.
0: That's super exciting. But I understand what you mean. It takes that kind of focus of your individual person and your almost like force of will to get through all the barriers to starting your own business.
2: I think now, too, entrepreneurship is glamorized and celebrated in a way that it maybe shouldn't be, it is extremely hard. It is extremely stressful. If you think you get told no a lot as a salesperson, think about an entrepreneur you're getting told no all day every day about everything, about what you built, about your baby. It's hard. And again, the only way that you're going to keep going is if you're obsessed with solving that problem
0: your entire like personality is getting pressure tested all the time.
2: Yes, all the time. And it's, and it's tiring and, um, but it's also very rewarding. And for me, I wouldn't be doing anything else. I would be living in my car before I would be doing something else.
1: Wow. The reward from that gives you the energy to keep going. Even when you're tired, I imagine that that used to happen to me, you know, I, when I taught high school math in one of my favorite jobs, even if I was dead tired, like walking into the room, those kids were there and we were gonna talk about math, it just energized me. Yeah. And it, it was like I drank a shot of espresso, yeah. but I didn't, I was, it was the energy, <laughs> the passion. And I still get that same thing when I get to talk about technology and especially math. But <laughs> I, I know I had a point to that, but I've I've lost it, I'm sorry. That's the John
0: White school of interviewing is just make a statement.
1: Yeah. There was no question there. That was just an observation. That's the John tactic. No, actually what I was going to say now I remember is what are some ways that folks in this type of position can find balance between the long hours that it takes to get something off the ground and keep it running and you know, having a family.
2: So what we do at Prowess is we have our talent write down what they want and what they don't want. And oftentimes it's a lot easier to write down what you don't want. And you paint a picture backwards. So for example, okay, picture yourself in in three years. Are you at an office? No. Are you driving around in your car all day? No. Are you on a beach? Maybe. Okay, you want to work from the beach somewhere. How are we gonna make this happen? And you and you work from there. And again, that that's a silly example, but we we have them paint the picture of what that would look like and then have people keep them accountable. And so what that could mean is the way that I recharge is vacation. I have to have a vacation, and so I have my team who tells me, "Ashley, you have to take the day off. You have to go do something, because we know that you're going to be recharged when you come back." But like it's hard.
1: Fully disconnected vacation, or like checking email and checking calling email. people on vacation.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, checking email, but I try. I try really hard. Yeah. Once a day.
1: More disconnected than if you were were a normal day.
2: Exactly.
0: When Nick goes on vacation, he still does show notes for the Nerd Journey, so he's he's trying to learn that.
1: That is how Nerd Journey started. I was on a vacation in Galveston, and I did (laughs) show notes for like five nights straight so we could get this baby off the ground.
2: (laughs) I love it. See?
1: So when, when I take a vacation, John knows I'm still working.
2: But that's bad. Shame on us. Shame on us.
1: But I'm I'm working on my passion project here. Like, okay. I don't you know, I can Fair get enough. paid to podcast. not Fair I don't, enough. yet I Don't make not money yet. doing it. Not
0: yet.
1: <laughs> Once somebody signs up for the John White School of Mentoring and they have to start paying, then.
0: <laughs>
1: then it's gonna happen. Send that tweet out to Adnard Journey.
2: <laughs> I love it. Can I get a cut in that since I um I I was here? <laughs>
1: We can talk about it, yeah. Pricing and packaging to come.
0: That's terrible. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I think you broke me there for a second.
1: <laughs> That's what makes it fun.
0: Ashley, I feel like there's, you know, still like an hour of of questions that we want to ask you. So I hope. It's okay if uh, we can uh, reserve some time in the future to have you back and, and dive in even further, um, especially if there's you know new lessons that you learn or you know just from like running the business you know day to day and things like that and, and other lessons. I assume that you know when you're running a placement agency and people coming back into the workforce, you're constantly hearing about new lessons learned in uh, career management and career paths
2: absolutely i would be honored to whatever i can share so that people after me don't make the same mistakes i'm all about it
0: that's amazing great well thank you so much for coming on the nerd journey and uh i hope you have a good rest of uh, 2020
2: thank you thank you thank you it's been so fun so fun so i'm excited for next time
1: Say, John, I do enjoy a good sequel, and I'm trying to figure out if the sequel was better than part one. But they were both really solid, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I really enjoyed. Again, I, I talked about it—that process that she went through to, to figure out what it is that she wanted to do. But then the process of building a team um, and, you know, balancing having uh, contractors and customers. Right. Like, if you if you don't have customers who are looking. Then you know you could have the best uh, downstream contractor force you know possible, but you know you're you're really letting them down if you if you don't have uh, places for them to contract at.
1: Yeah, and as she was taking her idea forward for this business, it was just very interesting how she was able to lean on someone in her network to get into an accelerator program to help refine that idea and come up with what eventually became Prowess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, um, having, you know, your idea pressure tested, I think is super important. You know, people to really, who their goal isn't to make you feel good about your ideas. Their goal is to make sure that you come out, you know, with a solid plan and a solid, you know, um, path forward. Right. So uh, it was interesting what she said, that there's two different models there, the incubator and the accelerator. I yep. I guess I vaguely knew that, but it was interesting to hear it kind of underlined and, and the differences between the two.
1: For sure. Yeah, I, I would imagine that it's probably difficult for someone going through that the first time to not take it personally, when people pick apart your idea and try to see if it's going to survive as a business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. but. You know ultimately, it is a really smart thing to do to to enlist some some outside people who aren't emotionally involved in your success, right to to listen to your idea and to uh, like I said, pressure test it.
1: For sure. And speaking of success, Ashley even mentioned that her mindset is that she has a ten year plan at least for the company. She was able to find the why behind what she's doing and connect that purpose to her work. And I think that's made her a lot happier than she's been in anything she's done so far.
0: Yes, yes. And also, it's interesting that, uh, the you know, the built to sell model still led her to something that she didn't actually want to sell that became like, you know, part of her mission. It was great.
1: We are a show of ironies, folks.
0: <laughs> All right, anything else before we get out of here?
1: No, sir. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at NerdJourney.
0: All right. Farewell, listeners, and tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at journeyman or Nick Corey, at Underscore. signing off.
1: Adios.